Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's Word, fellowship, and prayer. Uh, if you got a Bible this morning, we'll be in John chapter 4, and uh, man, I, I'm, I'm very thankful for the opportunity uh, to share with you this morning. I'm humbled, uh, man, I love uh, Pastor Brandon, and I'm, I'm thankful for, for his friendship and, and for this church, and uh, it's a humbling thing to stand in this place and, and teach God's Word, and man, I'm nobody. Uh, I, if you were here Wednesday night, you know, I shared with you uh, I, I got the gospel when I was 21 years old. My best friend in college shared, shared Christ with me, uh, asked me some really hard questions that I couldn't answer, and then he opened his Bible and began to show me how I could know Christ personally and how I could be forgiven of my sin, and that radically transformed my life, certainly eternally, spiritually, but it redirected the entirety of my life. I was, I was majoring in college. I wanted to go into mechanical engineering. I knocked out all the, the stuff and wanted to get my core stuff uh, finished up and was about to transfer to a, a university that had the ME degree. And man, I, I got cold feet because God was doing something amazing in my life. And, and so I just changed majors so I wouldn't have to leave the church I was a part of, and so that I wouldn't have to leave discipleship. And, and man, it was, it was kind of a weird thing, and, and my parents really appreciated that because, you know, they thought, wait a second, now you're changing majors again. Like, what are you doing? You know, like, you're an idiot. And so, uh, can I say idiot? Okay, all right. So, <laughs> see, Allie, I told you, it's a good, it's fun. See, I get in trouble at home for that, all right, just so you know. And so, man, I changed everything to, to continue to be a part of what God was doing in my life. I didn't want to miss discipleship. I got connected with an amazing church in Decatur, Alabama, and, and man, listen, I did not want to miss what God was doing in my life, through my life, helping me grow and mature, and I had to make some decisions that, that meant, okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not do some things so that I can do some things, and I think that is the paradox, at least in this, in this room today, uh, people that are young adults, that are in college and career that have what seemingly seems like your entire life ahead of you, yet it's the decisions that you're making now that will forever determine the course of your life. And, and you will come to, to face the reality, especially after a week like this, that I'm going to have to make hard decisions for my life to truly appreciate and get involved in what God is wanting to do. And those are hard things to, to reconcile. And so as we, as we open the scriptures this morning, I, I want to give you one last missions message because mission focus isn't over yet. And, uh, and we got one more man in the chamber. Gosh, gosh, can I say that? Okay. Yeah, we're, I'm from Alabama, man. So we, did you hear Lee talking this morning? Uh, some of y'all didn't catch what he said. Like some of y'all were having to ask each other, what, what's he talking about loading up and whipping folks? Well, that's the way we roll in the South, all right? I mean, we... We load up and whip who we need to whip and threaten who we need to threaten and all for the glory of God. And so anyways, and so that's just, that's just how it is in the South. And, uh, and so we don't apologize for that. We do pray for God's mercy in the midst of that, all right? So this morning, this morning I, I want to share with you out of John chapter 4, and, and the message is entitled, The Motivation for the Mission. Because if anything, after we've had such an amazing week at Mission Focus, man, I want you to know 
that we got to be motivated to walk out of here and do what God's told us to do. We got, we got to walk out of here changed, transformed, and, and focused on the thing that God has left us to do. And so in John chapter 4, many, many of you, if, you've, if you're saved, if you've been a part of this church for any amount of time, you're probably familiar with this passage of, of Christ's encounter with the Samaritan woman. If you're not familiar with that, then, then prayerfully we'll expose some things this morning. And we don't have time to read the whole chapter, but, but the story is that Christ must needs go into Samaria. He's on a journey. And, and most Jews would never go into the area of Samaria. There were, there were, there were cultural differences, religious differences. There, there's a lot of things that would prevent Jews and Samaritans from, from getting along. And we'll talk about those implications in just a minute. But, but Christ has to go into Samaria. As he enters into that place, he meets a woman at the well, getting water. And, and the circumstances around that is that she's at the well at the wrong time of day. You can study in the Old Testament, man, that, that, that women went to the well at a certain time, and this woman is there actually at a different time because her, her life is full of sin, her life is full of shame, she's an outcast in her city, and yet God meets her there with a missional mindset, and she's religious, man. Again, if you've studied this passage, you know that she's religious. She has opinions about worship and all these different things, and she's actually confused that a Jewish man would even have a conversation and ask her to have water to drink, right? This pictures for us, I believe, this, this passage really it, it gives us a, a picture of missions and, and what we're to be about. And so, uh, this morning, man, let's, let's just pray again. I need, I need the prayer, and then I'll, I'll read John chapter 4, 27 to 34, and then we'll get into it together. Father, thank you again. Uh, Lord, I'm humbled uh, just to be in this place, and thank you, uh, man, for this group of people especially. God, the, the college and career ministry, Kai of, of MBT, thank you for their leaders. Thank you for Pastor Brandon, and, and, and God, just thank you for, man, their faithfulness to serve. God, these are the people I've seen, like many, all week in, in different areas, different capacities, serving each week, uh, in each night uh, for the conference, and, and man, just many, many hands to the labor. And uh, Lord, thank you for, man, just their willingness to cash it in for the mission. And uh, they've been a blessing uh, to my family, and I'm thankful. I'm thankful for that. Lord, help us today as we, as we as we finish it off, God, motivate us that this is the thing that we must do, and there can be nothing else. And I pray that your word would have free course in our heart. We love you. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. So, so in this context, again, we're skipping a lot of this passage because we, we can't cover it all. We'd need a week to, to preach through this. But in John chapter 4 and verse 27, Jesus' Jesus's disciples have gone into the city to get meat, Jesus is having this dialogue with the Samaritan woman, and in verse 27, it says, upon this came his disciples. Okay, so, so they've missed the entire conversation that Christ has had with this woman about him being the living water. And they marveled that he talked with the woman, and yet no man said, what seekest thou, or why talkest with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city, and saith to the men, the men of the city, come see a man which told me all things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? And they went out to the city and they came unto him. In the meantime, his disciples prayed him saying, master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. 
Therefore said the disciples one to another, hath any man brought him to eat? Like, who, who, who brought him food? Like, like, we were the ones going to get the food. And Jesus said to them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. This morning, we're going to talk about the motivation for the mission. And historically, what's happening in John, in the book of John, in early John, we know that the book of John is a book of signs that reveal Christ's glory. John 20 and verses 30 and 31 says, Many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life through his name. And, and so the first miracle in the book of John is in John chapter 2, where Christ turned the water into wine. And, and this story that we're reading in John 4 is sandwiched between Christ's first miracle and Christ's second miracle. We also know from, from John, chapter, John chapter 3 that John the Baptist's ministry is, is, has taken off, but we know that Christ and his disciples are actually baptizing more disciples than John the Baptist. So John the Baptist's ministry to, to reveal Christ has been fulfilled Christ and his disciples are being elevated. John is decreasing so that Christ may increase. And, and that's historically what's happening. And, and, and doctrinally, we know that God had a heart for Israel through Christ. God, God sent Christ to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And so his entrance into Samaria was doctrinally critically important if you've read the Old Testament, you know that Israel was divided into the ten northern tribes and the two southern tribes, right? Which would have included Judah and Benjamin. And Samaria was the capital of the ten northern tribes. So a divided kingdom in the Old Testament, and yet this Jewish Messiah, the king of the Jews, of, of all the Jews, right? Of all the Jews, enters into Samaria to offer them what was promised. He had to go into Samaria. And so doctrinally, there's some implications there. But devotionally, man, what we have in, in the early chapters of John, what we have in the early chapters of John is a microcosm. It's, it's a pattern of missional ministry. And I want to show you this really quick. John chapter 2 and verse 23, as you, as you track Christ's ministry through the early part of John, it tells us in John 2 and verse 23 that he was in Jerusalem at the Passover. And then in John chapter 3 and verse 22, the Bible says, After these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of, of Judea. And then we see him in John chapter 4, where we're at this morning, and it says he must needs go through Samaria. And then in John chapter 4 and verse 45, it says he was come into Galilee. And, and actually, if you look at Matthew 4 and verse 15, we find out that Galilee is Galilee of the Gentiles. And, and, and I don't know if you read the Bible, man, and I don't know if you read the book of Acts, but that sounds eerily similar to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, doesn't it? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and, and the uttermost. God is giving us a pattern of missional ministry right in the book of John. The, the mission that we've been talking about all week long, he paints it out in his own earthly ministry in John chapters 2, 3, 
and 4. Okay, so, so devotionally, we're going to talk about the mission this morning. And, and what we're going to learn from Christ is his motivation to accomplish the mission. And, and, and if you're taking notes this morning, uh, num- number one in your notes is this. Jesus settled the issue of his priorities. You see, if we're going to be missionally minded, if we're going to be about the mission that God has for us, and the, the first thing that we have to settle is the issue of priority. John chapter 4 and verse 4, it, it tells us that he must needs go through Samaria. And that word must, man, it's a powerful word in the scriptures. It means that something has to be essential, it's obligatory, it's necessary, it's required. It is not optional. It, I have two daughters, one, one 13, Nora, uh, Emery is eight. Let me again just say thank you uh, for so, so many of your church family ministering to our family. Man, our kids love this place. And, uh, and this is the first time they've had the opportunity to come to Mission Focus, and now they won't stop talking about it. And so thanks a lot for ruining my home, all right? So... <laughs> Because they're going to be like, when are we going back to Kansas City? When are we going back to Mission Focus? When are we going to see Mr. Brandon? And I'm like, thanks a lot. I appreciate that. I mean that in all seriousness. I really do appreciate it. Man, I tell my kids, you got to clean your room. And that's a must. It ain't optional. And like, if I come back in an hour and that room ain't clean, man, like uh, the brother was talking about the chastening of the Lord. It's because I love you, man, but I'm about to whip your tail. Like, clean your room. <laughs> Like, clean your room. It's a must. You have to do this. This is something that you, you must do. Jesus must needs go through Samaria. It's not optional for him and for his ministry. Listen, it was strategic. It was purposeful. It was intentional. We already saw there is a doctrinal significance of unifying the entire nation of Israel, including Samaria, which would have been the capital of the northern tribes. Listen, it, it, it is something that Christ had to do. It had to be a priority. And, and if Christ is a man of priority, and he must do some things, well, brothers and sisters, we must as well. You see, you see, the issue of the mission can't be a might, it can't be a maybe. And, and let me just show you that, man, that Christ is such a man of priority that not only must needs he go through Samaria, he had the same devotion and focus concerning the must that he must do to redeem us from our sin. You see, it says in Matthew 16 and verse 21, from that time, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes, listen, and be killed and be raised again the third day. This, this work of redemption through Jesus Christ was something that he must do. Mark chapter 8 and verse 31, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. John chapter 3 and verse 14, it says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. You see, Jesus Christ was a man with settled priorities. Christ's motivation concerning our redemption wasn't based on a maybe. Can I tell you that if it was, we'd all be in trouble? Well, maybe, maybe I'll go to the cross, but maybe not. 
I might go to the cross, but I might not. You see, you see, if, if Christ actually had the same priority as many Christians, I wonder if the work of redemption would have been accomplished. And yet, he shows us that these are things that I must do. And so listen, if Christ is a man of priority, and he is, and he's our example, and he is, then we have to settle the issue of priority concerning the mission in our own life. And so consider this in your notes. Listen, for many Christians, must go has been replaced with might go or just flat out won't go concerning the mission. For many Christians, must go has been replaced with I might go or listen, I just won't go. I might go if I'm having a good day. Or, or if I got time to work that into my schedule, or if I've got enough energy left over or focus left over, or, or I might do it if that's just something I can get really emotionally excited about, or if my friends are doing it. And man, many times the problem with our priority is, is us, ourselves, right? It, it, it's me, it's I. What, what are the things that I can gain from doing this and, and what is it going to cost me to do this? And so listen, for, for Christ, for Jesus, going, this is in your blank, man, going to Samaria was necessary to fulfill prophecy. Man, he must needs go through Samaria. Why? Because there's a kingdom that he's looking to advance and reveal himself as king of the Jews. And so it's necessary to fulfill prophecy. And his going to the cross was necessary to fulfill our redemption. Do you understand that? Man, we'd be hopeless, helpless, and hell-bound without Christ prioritizing the work of redemption. But listen, for you and I, listen, listen, this issue of going... It is necessary to fulfill our purpose. You and I will not find our purpose in this life without being a part of this mission. And, and I'm telling you, man, listen, I got saved in college. We, my wife and I had the privilege of serving in college ministry for many years. This, you are my people, man, seriously. I'm getting old and crusty now and gray and balding, and God help whoever is getting blinded from the spotlight shining off my forehead. But, <laughs> but listen, man, I still get excited when young people that have seemingly their whole life in front of them sit down to hear that book get opened. Because what that tells me is, man, there's still a chance. That there's some people that would settle the priorities of their life now so that they can fulfill the purpose that God has for the rest of their life and not live a life that's consumed with the American dream or what your parents want for you or what you want for you carnally, but what God wants for you. He has a purpose for your life. Matthew chapter 21 verses, verses 18 to 31 gives us this, this story of these two sons and, and he had a will God had a will, the father had a will for these two sons. It says in verse 28, but what think ye, a certain man had two sons. And he came to the first and he said, son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, listen, he repented and he went. And he came to the second, the second son, and he said, likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir. And he went not. Straight up liar. Whither of the, of, the, of the twain, whither of the two did the will of his father? And they said unto him, the first. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, 
that the publicans and harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. You know why? Because they just said, you know what, I'm just going to do what God wants me to do. I'm just going to settle the issue of priority, man. I'm not going to head nod God or even lie to God and act like I'm a part of the mission. But deep down in the inside, I know that I'm actually not all the way in. I'm going to settle that issue. And, and maybe even some of you, man, you, you still haven't made the decision yet. And, and maybe your answer is no up until today. And God would move on your heart to say, you know what? I need to repent and go. I need to be a part of what God wants for my life. Man, what are you going to do with what you've learned this week? Man, we have to respond rightly. We have to settle the issue of priority. And so the question is, man, is this mission going to become a must in my life? Or is it going to continue to be a maybe? And I don't know you personally, many of you, but I am a pastor and I do know people. And I know that no church has 100 participation in the mission of God. And I know that there's not a single ministry in any church on any planet that has 100% participation and that has settled the issue of priorities. And listen, whatever your excuse is, it's not your pastors, it's not the philosophy of ministry, it's not the preaching. The issue for us when we don't fully commit is just an issue of priority. What else are you going to do with your life, Christian? Truly, what, what else are you going to do? You're going to, you're going to just live your life, man, get your education, get a good job, get a nice house, get a nice car. Okay, fine. And then what? Well, then I'll have a family and I'll get a boat and I'll go fishing and I'll get a, a garage full of Toyotas and go mud riding. And that's also what we do in the South or, or whatever. Get, get whatever you're going to get, man. But listen, if you're just going to serve yourself the rest of your life, man, well, what's the end of that? It all burns, bro. And, and then at the judgment seat of Christ, the totality of our life outside of the foundation of the gospel will be consumed. What a horrible day. Man, see, the reality is, man, Monday morning's coming, and the rubber's going to meet the road, and you and I have to prove out the decisions that we've made for Christ this week, and we have to settle the issue of priority. For us, the mission has to become a must, not a maybe, but a must. And so today, maybe needs to be buried and laid to rest, never to be dug up again, never to be dug up again. Some other time and some other person that has to be squashed in our lives so that we can be a part of the mission. Number two, Jesus settled the issue not only of his priority, but number two, Jesus settled the issue of his provision. Now, what's interesting in this story is in John chapter 4, as Christ goes into Samaria, the Bible says in verse 8 that his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. And, and we also know that there's another person in this story looking for physical sustenance, right? Physical nourishment. The disciples are gone into the city to get meat. And yet here's this Samaritan woman that's come to Jacob's well for water. And this is very interesting to me because, because they're both focused on what their perceived immediate needs are. Bro, I'm hungry, man. We've been walking all day. Uh, we're going to bounce 
we're going to get something. You go ahead and go to Samaria because we, we know when they see us, they're not going to really like us. So we'll just go grab something to eat and uh, you do whatever, Jesus. And then, and then this woman is at the well, and again, Christ engages her. And what's interesting is in both examples, the Samaritan woman is a picture of a lost person. The, these disciples of Christ are certainly a picture of saved people. But in both situations, they're both looking for their physical needs to be met first. And isn't it interesting, that's the, thing, that's the same thing that happened to Israel in the Old Testament, right? God called the nation of Israel out of Egypt through the Exodus. God, God used the blood of a lamb to, to picture the blood atonement. And that entire nation was delivered from Egypt, delivered from their bondage, a picture of sin in the world. And man, Israel in the Old Testament crossed through that Red Sea, which is a picture of their baptism. And they're in the wilderness, which is... God used to, God wanted to use to mature them and create dependency upon him. And isn't it interesting in that wilderness that the two biggest complaints that they had was, we don't have anything to drink and we don't have anything to eat. They're worried about their physical provision. Exodus 15 and verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea and they went into the wilderness of Shur and they went three days into the wilderness and they found no water. Exodus 16, verse 3, the children of Israel said, would to God that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. I mean, these, these grumpy Israelites, man, were so hungry. They would just have rather died in Egypt, man, because we need something to eat, right? Man, and they're complaining. It says, man, we sat by the flesh pots. We did eat bread to the full. We brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And man, here's what's weird about this story, man. When, when the disciples finally get back to Jesus and this woman, they offer him something to eat. And he's like, uh, hey, hey, dudes, uh, I got meat that you know not of. Now, had he eaten at any point in the story? The answer is no. He hadn't eaten anything in the story. So where did he get his provision? Well, his provision, his meat, was to do the will of his father. His provision came from doing what God had called him to do. And listen, I know some of you are sitting here right now this morning, and you, get, you were late in the donut line, man, in the muffin line. And you didn't get that quarter of a muffin. By the way, it's really strategic how you guys qu quarter those things. Because I, I, I'd have been the guy that grabbed the whole thing. And so I know what you did there, and I, I get it. But, but man, you didn't make the, the donut run this morning, and you're like, Jay, get done so we can go eat, man, because we're dying. And you're just proving my point. Because although meat and drink are important, man, and they're real legitimate needs, they have to be placed in their proper perspective. Man, we, we grow up in a secular world with secular education, and, and man, the psychologists tell us that this is actually the needs that you have, according to Maslow, right? That, that man, your psychological needs have to be met, and your safety needs, and your love and belonging, and, and, and you have to feel good about yourself, and, and, and then you, you can become who you are supposed to be. Man, we've got to have food and shelter and water first, and sleep and clothing, and, and then we have to have safety, not only safety in our homes, but personal space that gives us safety, and we have to have relationships and belonging, and, and once you get all of those things met then you can be the person that you're supposed to be. That's what the world teaches us. And yet, man, the Word of God flips the script on that. Uh, God's Word actually says 
that you need to focus on the mission. I need to focus on the mission before the meat. And so we got to flip the script on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And Christ says, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. It's the very thing that gives me provision. And, and listen, man, we see this thing all the way through Scripture. Life is just more than meat and drink. Life is just more than, than physical possessions. Matthew 6 and verse 25, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? And the answer is yes. Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 to 33, God, God rats us out as Gentiles, man. He, he, knows, he knows our propensity. He, he says in Matthew 6, verse 31, Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink? These are all the things you're thinking right now because it's almost lunchtime. Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. And isn't that what we're programmed to seek after? Man, man, get your degree, get your job, get the things that you can get. Man, Mark Trotter used to say, man, if we're not careful, our possessions will possess us. And what's backwards about this whole thing is both the disciples and even this woman, they're looking for provision through physical means. And yet Christ, the, the man in the middle, is saying, actually, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. You see, the mission actually has to become the provision. And in the midst of the mission, that's when God gives you what you need. And we see this all the way through Scripture, man. Like, like if we were to go back to the Old Testament, Adam, we, we all know Adam, I think. Adam was given a mission, but listen, he was given the mission first, then he was given meat for the mission, so I want to show you this, man. Listen, Genesis chapter 1, verse 29. If you, if you do a word study and you search the word meat, you know, substance and provision, well, it's going to take you to Genesis 1 and 29. And, and it says, God said, behold, I've given you every herb-bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, every tree, which is in the fruit, uh, which is the fruit of a tree-yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. Here's the sustenance we find God providing Adam and Eve in verse 29. But listen, he gave the mission... In verse 28, he gave the mission first. Verse 28, God blessed them. He said to them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. So the mission came first and the means to accomplish it came second. The provision came second. Listen, God did the same thing with Noah. I mean, Noah was given a mission, right? He was given a mission and then he was given meat to accomplish the mission. And you know the story, man, like, like the, God judged sin on the, the earth and sent the flood and, and God saved Noah and his family through the ark. And, and so they, they come off of that thing after the flood, God cons- confirms the mission, but now he, he changes the provision for Noah and his sons where Adam, you know, they had to eat lettuce and, you know, salad and all that junk. Then uh, Noah gets a little bit of extra grace and, and now he can partake of some crispy critters and, you know, praise the Lord for that. Genesis chapter 9, 
Verse 1, it says, God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. There's the mission, right? Hey, get busy with the mission. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air and upon all that moveth upon the earth and upon the fishes of the sea and into your hands they are delivered. Listen, and every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you, even as the green herb that I gave, I have given you all things. Noah had the mission as the priority. In the midst of the mission comes the provision. And man, I'm telling, I'm telling you right now, listen, Christians get this wrong all over the place because our focus many times is, man, we got to make sure that we have what we need first and then I'll consider the mission in front of me. And yet God says, you're, you're thinking like a lost man. You're, you're thinking like Maslow, bro. Uh, you're, you're thinking like secular education. No, actually, you've got your priority backwards. You're missing the purpose If you'll get about the mission, well, God will give you everything that you need. And and, and listen, it may not be the American dream, and that's A-OK. Man, if you you come to our house, uh, man, we have a nice house, but but it ain't much. And we drive old old Toyotas, and just because they last forever, but I'm just saying, like, you know, whatever. We don't have shiny new things, and, and man, but I hadn't missed a meal. I mean, obviously, you know, somebody, Chris Best said something the other day. He was like, man, you're skinny. I was like, skinny ain't healthy, bro. Like, skinny ain't healthy. Like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure my arteries are clogged more than yours. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't eat great. Uh, is there any donuts or things left over there? Like, I was like, where are the carbs? When I walked in this morning, I was like, where are the carbs? I know they're here. <laughs> I need to go find them, man. Man, listen, we've always had what we've needed. Man, we got married we got married a long time ago, and uh, we were broke as a joke. And we got broker after we got married. Man, I was, I was working full-time in, in physical therapy. My wife still had two years of school. We were, we were already committed to the mission as single people, and God brought us together. And, man, we had a little rinky-dink apartment that, you know, you can get 40 people in. You shouldn't, but you can. And, man, I mean, we would have, we would have people out of our college ministry over, and we cooked the thing that we could afford, like spaghetti, you know, a lot of it. And so if you came to our house, you got spaghetti or maybe tacos. That's, that was on the menu. And, uh, and it wasn't much, but it was enough. And man, God just gave us what we needed. And just every step of the way, man, God always gives us what we need for the mission. Here's what's interesting about this story. When this woman finally meets Christ, this Samaritan woman, When she finally meets Christ and she understands what's available in him, all of a sudden, she understands the mission even more than the disciples. Can I I show you John chapter 4 and verse 20, 28? And again, man, there's so much we could talk about in this story. But John chapter 4, verse 28, man, after she comes to Christ and she realizes the living water that he's offering her, The Bible says in in chapter 4 and verse 28 that the woman then left her water pot and went into the city and saith to the men, come see a man which told me all things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? Do you you see that that, that her provision originally was I got to have water to survive? 
And listen, man, she went and she met Christ. And all of a sudden she realized my perceived need is not actually the thing I needed at all. I needed Christ. And I'm actually willing to leave what I thought my need was to get on mission. You see, there's some, some people in the room this morning that probably have some water pots that need to be left. See, see, in our mind, we think that the provision is, man, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a degree, a lot in life, a certain dollar amount salary, a certain status of how we're to live, and yet, and yet to get missional, there's going to have to be some things that we leave behind. And, and she goes right back into the city, the city in which she would have been well-known because she had a lot of husbands. And actually, the man she was with currently, Christ says, that, that's not even your husband. You know it, I know it, everybody knows it. She went right back to the very place that she was a sinner, that she was full of shame, and to the very people that would have known her, to the men of the city, by the way. And she says, hey, you, you need to come meet this man, Jesus. She got on mission. She, she settled the issue of her provision. Her meat became her doing the will of the Father. What a great testimony for us. What a great example for us. All of a sudden, what she thought she needed wasn't what she needed at all. And she was willing to walk away from that to be a part of the mission. And then and then number three, for time's sake, let's quickly go here, man. Number three is, is this. Okay, so, so Jesus settled the issue of priority in his own life. He settled the issue of provision. My meat's to do the will of him that sent me. And then, and then lastly, Jesus settled the issue of his purpose. Verse, verse 34 says, Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, listen, and to finish his work. And to finish his work. It's to finish the work, not just to do the work, but to finish the work. And I mean, listen, what we see in Christ is a submissiveness and selflessness to go all the way. That I'm going to finish what I've started. Now, there's a threefold working of Christ that you can find in the scriptures. Number one, Christ is going to complete and finish the work of restoring the nation of Israel. You see part of that being accomplished in John chapter 4 and his earthly ministry. You will see the full restoration of that at the second coming of Christ, at the end of the tribulation and second coming. Christ will restore Israel as a nation. But you also see Christ finishing the work of making disciples. I mean, we know that from John chapter 17, right? It's the Lord's prayer as he's praying. He's praying to his father. This is before the cross. He tells God, listen, I've glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work that thou gavest me to do. He, he finished the work of making disciples. And listen, he finished the work of our redemption, right? I mean, he did that on the cross of Calvary. He said in John 19 and verse 30, it is finished. And he finished that work of redemption through his shed blood. And listen, if you're in the room today and you don't know, if you're, if you're not sure of where your eternity will be spent, you can be sure because of what Christ did. Christ finished the work of redemption for our sin on the cross of Calvary. It's finished. 
But, but devotionally, listen, as we look at that, many Christians, including myself, man, we're really good at starting some things, but we're not so good at finishing some things, right? Man, as a child of God, God's, God's desire for you is not just to start, but it's to finish what you've started. That actually mirrors and models the character of God through the scriptures. God tells us at the, at the very recreation in Genesis chapter 2 that the heavens and the earth were finished. You know, when God recreated this universe, man, after the fall of Lucifer in Genesis chapter 1, when he, he began that work of recreation, he finished that work. It had a beginning, it had an ending. Moses finished the work of the tabernacle in, in, in Exodus 40 and verse 33. So Moses finished the work. I've been notorious for starting home improvement projects. And I come to this side of the stage now, so my wife won't give me the stink eye. And, and man, as I walk through my house, I'm like, ah, I started running that baseboard and that was about 10 years ago, and I never, I never really finished that. Look at that. And, oh, I'll go into my garage, and there's projects, and it's like, ah, oh, I started working on that, and, oh, man, it's been three years. How did that happen? And, and I never finished that. And, and, man, that's the way we get. God's not like that, man. God starts a work, and God finishes his work, right? Moses finishes the tabernacle. Moses finishes the law, Deuteronomy 31 Solomon finished the temple, 1 Kings chapter 6. Solomon built the house and finished it. Paul finished his ministry. I mean, I mean, he's praying in Acts chapter 20 and verse 24 that he might finish his course with joy. And then in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 7, he says, I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. Christ finished the will of the Father, man. He didn't focus on, on feeding his fleshly desires. He was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. And man, what we need to learn from Christ this morning is that some of us, man, we just need to, to drive it down and trust God to finish. Man, some of you started COD, cost of discipleship. You didn't finish. And some of you started discipleship. And here we are four years later. You didn't finish. And some of you started Foundations 2 and 3, and, and guess what, man? Just life got a hold of you. And you didn't finish. And some of you started LFBI, man. That thing's just kind of dangling out there as a reminder, hey, I'm still here. That's what God's using at your church to get you ready for the mission. You still haven't finished. I mean, all these things that God puts in our life, whether it's COD, discipleship, Foundations 2 and 3, LFBI. Listen, those things are given by God to prepare us and equip us for the mission. And if you can't finish the preparation, how are you going to finish the mission? The sad reality is for many of us, man, five years down the road, ten years down the road, there's a chance, including myself, man, it, it, we're all susceptible to this. There's a chance that we won't finish. And yet God, in his character and nature, man, he wants us to finish. He wants us to finish. Let me, let me close with one last passage and we're done, man. So, so these disciples, they show up in Samaria, man, and, and they see this scene playing out between Christ and this Samaritan woman. And man, they, they get a full kind of overview of what ministry and mission is supposed to look like just through that dialogue. 
They even see the woman surrendering herself to saying, hey, I don't need that water pot. I actually need to go tell some people about Christ. So God painted that, that beautiful tapestry right in front of their face. You find those disciples a little bit later in the book, book of John, chapter 21. And this is after Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And, and man, can I just read you this passage and, and let it resonate in your heart? Look at, look at John 21, verse 2. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. And Simon Peter said to them, I go fishing. And they said unto him, uh, hey, that sounds good. We'll also go with thee. And they went forth and they entered into a ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. These are the professionals of their field. And they caught nothing. And when the morning was come, Jesus stood on the shore. And the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, and listen, you have to pay attention to this question. Children, have ye any meat? And they answered him, no. You say, what's the point? Well, the point is, they went back to their old life. They went back to the thing that God had called them from. God had called them to a mission to be accomplished in their life. And man, listen, they're busy. They're doing what they know to do and what they're comfortable doing. Peter said, I'm going to go fishing. And all of a sudden, all the people he had influence with are now following him. Off mission, back into their secular mindset and their secular world. And Christ shows up, man, and he sees them from afar. And after they've labored and they toiled and they've done everything that they could do to provide for themselves, he asked the question, you guys got any meat? And the answer is no. You know why? Because they weren't focused on the mission. And so in in verse 6, same, cha same chapter, he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the ship, you shall find. They cast therefore now. They were not able to draw in the multitude of the fishes. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, hey, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that, that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat upon him, for he was naked. He cast himself into the sea, and the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far away from the land as they were 200 cubits driving, dragging the net with the fishes. And as soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire coals there and fish laid thereon and bread. So God in his mercy, man, wanted to remind those disciples, hey, you dudes ain't focused on finishing. But I'm going to give you another shot. In my mercy and in my grace, you're out here focusing on your fleshly desires and because of that, you have no meat. And the one that's able to provide that for you is Christ himself. And so, and so guys, listen, man, we, 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 we have to settle the issue. The question for us at the very end is, man, are we going to finish? Now, listen, if we don't get started, we'll never finish. Now, some of us haven't started. And that's the first step that we need to take. And maybe you have started and you've wavered. 
And man, it's become a maybe for you. And maybe God would remind you this morning that it has to be a must. And for those of you that are still locked in, man, finish. By God's grace, man, finish. And trust God to give you what you need while you're doing it. Amen? All right, let me, let me pray for us, and we'll let the worship team come and pastor. Father, thank you, God, for your word, and thank you for this group of people. And, and Lord, I pray, man, as we see the motivation that Christ had, man, that he settled his issue of priorities, that he, that he locked all in, even forsaking the, the physical needs in his life to do the mission. Lord, would we learn from that example, God? Thank you for this group of people. Thank you for your word and your Holy Spirit. God, would you accomplish in our heart what only you can? We trust you and we ask you in Christ's name. We hope that today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in his word. For more information about Kaya, for service times and information about our disciple-making ministry, please visit our website at caya.li.com.